to the Dildorks Dorky Discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and I really like the word metamor because it's a portmanteau, I think, and I love a good portmanteau. Who are you, friend? I'm Bex. I'm a sex educator and porno maker. I don't... Oh, that weirdly... One episode soon, I will find the new one that I say a lot, and it'll be real smooth. This one Mm -hmm. isn't. Um, But I live in Philadelphia because my metamor got a job, so I moved to a different state. Wow. I know. That's that's devotion. (laughs) Yeah, it's a wild fun fact. Really, there is a whole series of other circumstances that made it smart in my life and everything, but... The mm-hmm. impetus, my metamor got a job, and I was like, well, got to move closer. Your life went through a metamorphosis, you could say. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, you, no, you wouldn't say. <laughs> I would. Um, <laughs> we have to define what a metamor is. Uh, it is the topic of our show today, metamor relations. Uh, so if you don't know, a metamor in non-monogamy is the partner of your partner. So mm-hmm. if me and you were both dating like the personification of this podcast, for example, uh, the podcast would be our mutual partner and we would be metamors. Although as I'm saying this, I'm realizing it, that would probably be a triad, right? <laughs> like we'd probably <laughs> I think be, so. Yeah. You're definitely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but so, your basic poly relationship, you picture a V, the hinge partner is the point of the V, the metamors are the two points. They're not dating each other, but they're dating one person in common. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they do date each other, but... Then that's a different thing. Yeah, it's not required. It's, yeah, that's that's an upgrade to the that's a whole That's a whole other hour. That's a whole mm-hmm. other episode. <laughs> <laughs> and something I am not qualified to speak on. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I chose to... I wanted to talk about kind of metamor dynamics and relationships and things because earlier this week, after some relationship weirdness with a partner other than Ash, um, I was sitting on Ash's couch, having already told them this story, um, talking to their partner about it and just venting because he's also a friend of mine and he was also being really supportive. And it didn't feel weird until in the middle of the scenario, like our mutual partners just bopping around the house. And I looked around and I was like, oh, shit, this is like, this feels almost like, like, if you had told me this is what polyamory would have looked like when I was going into this, I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm shooting for. That's the kind of relationships I want to have in my life. So it was like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, this cool moment of appreciation. And I (laughs) wanted to take a moment to kind of discuss the different ways metamor relationships can look, because they are a huge part of kind of I don't know, my experience of poly, right? They are not people that I necessarily choose to be in relationship with, but I am in close relationship with them and the decisions they make very closely impact my life because mm-hmm. we share this partner. Um, and it feel almost in a family sort of way, right? Like these are just the supporting cast in my life. They're just always going to be there. Um, and I thought it was a really interesting topic um, to kind of delve into because it's not talked about as often in poly. Yeah, it's true. Um, Other than kind of the vague, what do I do with there just being a person there? But not like, (laughs) how do you relate to that person as a person and like Mm -hmm. build rapport with them as well? Um, So I I, I guess I wanted to start off, um, if you could tell me a little bit about like, 
I don't know, going into poly, what were your expectations for your metamor relationships and how has that changed? Like now, what would your ideal metamor relationship look like? Mm, yeah, that's a really good question. I think that before I had done any poly stuff, I envisioned a future that was much more like what we refer to as like kitchen table poly, like mm-hmm. everybody being, you know, intimate in some way with everybody else and knowing what's going on with everybody else in, in the polycule and, you know, potentially being friends or even like really close friends with metamors. And then when I actually started doing it, I, I didn't want that. Um, <laughs> I feel like I shitty about it. Actually, no. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's the thing. Part of it is what you would expect, which is just like sort of classic jealousy, insecurity, abandonment, anxiety, uh, I have some stuff. I, I don't know if I would go quite so far as to say trauma, but I did have a past partner leave me essentially for my metamor, which is a thing that in poly we're told won't happen. Like, you don't need to be afraid of them. Like, you can both be dating the same person and your person's not going to leave you for them, except he did. So, yeah. you yeah. know, it, it kind of wounded my relationship with the idea of like, metamors but um Mm -hmm. i also think another part of it is less problematic and is just about like who i am as a person in terms of like introversion and the types of relationships i like to have because Mm -hmm. uh i mostly enjoy seeing friends one-on-one um i'm not that into like group hangs so i feel like whenever i end up like occasionally hanging out with a partner and metamors i often just feel the way I do in like any group discussion situation, which is like maybe kind of awkward and maybe kind of like, I don't know what to say or like, I don't really know how to like slot myself into the pre-existing dynamic. Cause I'm just like a shy person. Like the bigger the group gets, the more of a wallflower I tend to become. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I still am like interested in the idea of like building relationships with metamors, but uh, so far have not really, done a great job of that and have not really <laughs> wanted to do that. <laughs> what about you? Yeah. Well, I do think like, I think that's interesting. So are you feeling that you're in a place now where you would just like rather be totally don't ask, don't tell or somewhere more in between that and kitchen table, Polly? I don't you know. I, I definitely don't. Like, don't ask, don't tell. Um, I think that that's not a good situation for anybody. And oftentimes it's a rule that people install because of their own anxiety and they feel that that will mitigate the anxiety. And for me, it always has the opposite effect where like, if I don't, if I'm not being told what's going on, I'm going to assume the worst constantly about what's going on. And I'm going to feel like I'm being lied to and cheated on, even though I'm not. Um, And for me, with don't ask, don't tell, just briefly... It's so weird for me to have, when I'm, like, dating someone new or flirting with someone new, that is a fun, exciting, sparkly thing happening in my life, and it's probably Mm -hmm. all I can think about sometimes. Right. Uh, And it is so weird for me to not share something like that with the main person in my life. Yeah. Or at least one of the main people in my life to feel like I have to hide that. Mm -hmm. Feel secret-keeping in a way that I'm just, like, I'll... I talk a lot. I just do that. And yeah. to actively remember I can't say a thing and that thing also being the thing I'm most excited to talk about, I just, it's just, bleh. <laughs> 
Yeah, I totally agree. And that was definitely my experience the one time that I was in like a don't ask, don't tell situation. Um, I think that my ideal like metamorph situation at this point is um, I want us to be on good terms. I forget who we were talking to about this at some point, but someone said like the metric for this is like, would you be fine to hang out at a birthday party together? Because that's like, mm-hmm. that's the sort of thing that are that is generally going to be like one of your main contact points with metamors if you don't have like a you know separate friendship with them is like gatherings Mm -hmm. related to your shared partner or your shared friend group or whatever it may be so i definitely don't want there to be awkwardness between me and a metamor or resentment or anything i want us to be able to hang out and casually talk at parties and stuff um Mm. i don't know that i want to be like super close buds with them and yeah. like there are reasons for that that I am aware of and there are probably reasons for that that are like more deeply buried that I'm not aware of. But that's just my feeling at the moment. <laughs> I mean, that's I feel like that's life. There's there are a lot of yeah. things in my <laughs> psyche that I'm just like just like peering over the corner of a well being like, oh, that goes deep. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. We don't have to explore that someday, huh? <laughs> just gonna just gonna put a caution sign up and wander over here for now, though. <laughs> What do you think? What's your like expectations versus reality as far as metamors go? So similar to yours, actually, I think. Um, mm. I guess just in terms of scale, I don't know. Um, I like. I did always want kitchen table poly. I think I did imagine more triad situations, more mm. like polycules where everyone's fucking situations yeah and like now i love kitchen like i love this kind of kitchen table thing genuinely like (laughs) we moved to the new place and i had a kitchen table and i served dinner at it and my pet just looks up and is like we're kitchen table (laughs) pollying like but like we genuinely we have movie nights together, we hang out, I'm good friends with my meta, and like I deeply enjoy that. And we can talk both like in group situations and also like we can be left alone and hang out and like my pet will come back and be like, No, we were we were stop talking. We were gonna watch a move movie. Okay, <laughs> sure. Fine. Um yeah. and like I don't know, the idea of like triads and like I, I don't know the words, but larger polycules where everyone is fucking, like, semi-regularly, like, that's a lot. Like, my pet has great taste in men, like, no shade <laughs> to my meta, but, like, God, that would be complicated. That's just yeah. so many, so many dynamics on top of dynamics, because right. for, for each relationship, you have three entities, right? You have, like, each partner <laughs> and the relationship itself, yeah. And like the more you multiply that. It's, that's really yeah, that's really interesting because I feel like that is one of the intangible things that I find hard to describe about why I don't love constantly hanging out with the partner in the metamor is that mm-hmm. it's like uh code switching or or switching modes or context. Um I can't be with my partner in the way that I would be with them if I was just hanging out with them alone. Um, I have to be a different person a little bit and perform our connection a little bit differently. Um, Mm -hmm. It's hard to describe, but maybe some of you folks will know what I mean. That absolutely makes sense to me, and that's definitely something I experience. I have to be on 
to a certain degree, just enough that I have to be, like, conscious of this other person's boundaries as well. And, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we have polycule movie nights all the time. We have our, like, COVID pod movie nights, whatever. Um, Right. And those are group hangs, and those are not date nights with my pet. Right. And that's different. And, like, it's also really helpful that my meta and I both understand that, like, regularly... We will. I know I have it, and I I know he has as well. But at the end of oh, you're you're heading over to the other house now, though. Make sure you get ready for that. Like, make sure you get ready <laughs> before we watch this show. You know, so you don't have to run out the door or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like we also show up for each other to make sure our shared partner has time with each other, mm-hmm. um, and it's comfortable in the times when we are like group hanging out. I don't know. It's nice that it's not, and they've also been doing poly for a minute. Um, so it's just nice that it's mm-hmm. not weird to like. We're both cuddly with our mutual partner. Occasionally, they they will be getting head pets from one of us and like foot rubs from the other, like <laughs> spread across <laughs> the couch. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So there there is less of a degree of code switching than I've felt in other dynamics where I'm like, I don't. Do I just treat you like? a friend when we're out what's where's their jealousy at what am i i don't <laughs> right how do i mm, like that's a lot yeah. more awkward mm-hmm. um do you want to get into the listener questions yes i was selfishly <laughs> the other reason i picked this topic is because i knew y'all would have lots of questions and they <laughs> there, would be interesting and like juicy <laughs> and i like getting into your drama <laughs> So we got a few questions about, like, facilitating a meeting between metamors. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to tell my favorite story on this subject, though. <laughs> if I told the story about my ex kicking the guy's motorcycle over. <laughs> I don't remember that. Oh, my God. This is one of my wildest poly stories. Okay, I was dating this guy. He had some mental health issues. So do I. You know, it was part of why mm-hmm. we bonded. But mm-hmm. um, at one point, I got a frantic phone call from him in the middle of the day where he was like i just got into an argument with some guy on the street and uh it got really heated and i kicked over his motorcycle and then i ran away and now i think that he's like chasing me like i like i'm at my house but i think he's like coming after me and i'm really scared and like could you come over for moral support (laughs) and you were like uh you you mean you mean come to the place where someone is hunt- hunting you. Sure. <laughs> you know? <sighs> yeah. I mean, I I think that uh I don't I don't think that he was like actively at risk. I think he was actually right, just right. like more kind of like freaked it was out. More anxiety, and yeah. like honestly, I have I have had situations like this where I was <laughs> I just did something <laughs> completely irrational and weird and then freaked out about it. But so yeah, the no, nature sure. of the way that he asked me to come over for moral support made me 100% believe that I was going over there and I was going to be the only one going over there. Oh, God, no. Yeah. And this was a new relationship. Like, this was uh, a month or less that we'd been dating. Um, so I was particularly trying to perform good girlfriend and, like, yeah. come over immediately. Um, yeah. So I got there and there was, like, a few friends and my Matamor. Oh, uh, Jesus. I, I mean, I That's understand that, energy. like... Yes, he. I. The thing about this story is like I don't actually blame him that much. I. I don't think that this is like anybody's fault, really. I think mm-hmm. that like he was in an absurd headspace and called all the people who could give him emotional support at that time. So, and which is like mm-hmm. reasonable. I. I slightly wish that he had told me that he was doing that. Uh, but right. 
whatever. So this was the circumstance under which I met my metamor. Um, and like, we had good chats. We ended up like watching a movie all together, like to help him calm down Mm -hmm. and like talking over it and stuff. And it was nice, but I became very aware after that, that like for the metamor meeting, I need ample warning and time to emotionally prepare myself. Cause it's like kind of a draining thing for me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, I think... Yeah, I think one of the questions you sent over before this, uh, someone was asking about whose responsibility, uh, if it was their responsibility to reach out to their metamor to, like, establish that kind of relationship. Right. And, I don't know, maybe it's unfair, like, the the V partner has to do a lot of work in any sort of kind of dynamic like this. Mm-hmm. The V partner gets two really great partners, they have to do a little bit of extra work, and I really do think it's their responsibility to facilitate that, like, uh, inter- first interaction, first conversation, right? I think, mm-hmm. for me, whenever I go into a new relationship, I kind of make it known that, like, I like to have good rapport with my metamors. I don't need to. I do need to be able to, like, share space with them. I like to be able to, like, I don't know, text them before your birthday and make sure we're not getting you the same thing. Like, I like Mm -hmm. to be able to have a chill conversation with them. We don't need to be best friends. You're gonna date lots of different people. Fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I make that known ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And then I say, like, and my partner is the one who knows both of us. Mm -hmm. My partner is the one who understands if we would get along. Right? Because, like, if I don't know, if you're that hinge partner and you're sitting there thinking, imagine your two partners alone in a room, what mm-hmm. are they talking about? Because, like, <laughs> yeah, the answer is nothing. Like, um, you, you're going to want to facilitate those interactions, but maybe don't expect them to be best friends. Like, yeah, um, maybe the best you expect is, oh, they're civil and whatever. Right. Um, but I do think if you are trying to facilitate that first interaction, A, uh, planning something for you to mutually do together, like that video, Mm -hmm. uh, watching a movie is really great. And I do think it was handy that you had, like, this shared goal of, like, making this person feel better and, like, this shared purpose to be working on that you were both fairly skilled at. Yeah. Um... But, uh, yeah, you know, less stressful circumstance, but plan something for you both to do together and also speak to both of your partners separately about what do they have in common with the other one. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things I adore about my partner is that they are very gushy about the people that they love. They love people, like, real hard. Um, So even before I met my metamor, I knew everything they adored about him. And if you are a person who is prone to jealousy, that can be trickier. You're going to want to, like, adjust the flow of that faucet, maybe. Um, but it's it's a really great perspective to look at these people through. I'm like, wow, they sound great. I definitely want to meet him. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's all really good stuff. Um, I tend to view the V partner as the one whose, like, responsibility it is to kind of like make a decision like in the absence of either of the metamors having strong feelings that they definitely want to meet or definitely don't i think that the person mm. who's dating both of them as you said like is in the best position to decide whether it's like worth it to try to build a friendship between those two and when like when yeah, in and the how. relationship it's significant yeah yeah i think it's important to discuss with them both like how they're feeling about 
the other partner and like uh, how they're feeling about the idea of meeting them and what mm-hmm. kind of like accommodations they might want or need for that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm remembering a time when I met a metamor and our mutual partner asked us both about like how they could best support us in meeting. And we both kind of felt that like we're, we're sort of awkward and we're like nervous about it. So like if we could do a thing that doesn't require us to like talk a lot or like fill a lot of space. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ended up going to a museum, which I think is Ooh, good because nice. then there's like a lot of stuff to like look at and like talk about. So you yeah. learn about the other person through like what, what they say or how they feel about the, the things that you're looking at. Um, and if you walk long enough, there will always be something new to comment on. Right. Yeah, I yeah. think that that was a really good pick. Um, I know people who will just like go for coffee or have dinner or whatever. But oh, to me, that's, that's like, that's quite terrifying. It's not, it's not like a date where um, you might initially like know quite a bit about the person and, and like you've chosen to go out with them because you have some things in common or you find some things interesting about them. It's just sort of like, there's no guarantee that that will be the case with a metamor. So yeah. That yeah. A bit well, and then you got to, then you got to decide which side of the table the V partner sits on. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. just, that's just not fun for anyone. Oh, I have been there. I remember when um, I introduced you to a boyfriend uh, and like we joke about how like you're metamors with anyone I date because our friendship, <laughs> though platonic, is like very intense and enduring and, you know, a queer platonic relationship. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we went for lunch and I did have a moment of stress. I was like, who am I going to sit with? And I think I ended up sitting. I don't even remember, actually. I think that you is sat across. I think you sat across from me, which is fine, because I like being able to see the people I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. I think, as you're telling that story, I was just thinking, I'm pretty sure my partner has a picture of me and my metamor on, like, the night we met uh, for the first time, sitting on the same side of the table with our mutual partner opposite us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, eh, that solves the problem. Yeah, that's cute. And, and quite tipsy and ordering midnight pizza, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a good night. It's good times. <laughs> I also think, and this might just be because I'm an anxious weirdo, but I think it's good if you're the V partner to, like, make some time after the meeting to, like, talk through some feelings on either side. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a thing that could bring up a lot of feelings. Just check in. Just be like, how did that feel for you? Uh, what did you like about them? What did you not like about them, I guess, would be good conversation starters or however you want to do it. I just, you know, some feelings might come up that people were not expecting to come up. Yeah. And I, one thing that I find helpful on the more day to day, like of course the first time as well. um, But on the more day to day, even when I have group hangs, I have 10 to 15 minutes just with my partner at the end Mm -hmm. um, where we say goodbye and chat generally. um, Because we find it it tends to be weird just being like all right i get just bye bye i guess <laughs> like yeah. going down the line hugging everyone that's here and then my partner i'm like good goodbye i guess goodbye yeah you got a debrief yeah um so and especially if like or on nights when i crash at their house or whatever like they come say goodnight to me for a little while and then t- go crash in their bed because I am dead to the world while I am asleep, and I couldn't care less who's next to me. I love them <laughs> deeply, love cuddling with them. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
One other thing I'll say about the Metamore meeting. Um, mm-hmm. I used to kind of not care either way. Like I would basically leave it up to the other person. But nowadays I feel more that I want to at least like touch base with them some point early mm-hmm. on because I had an experience where a dude lied to me and said he was Polly <sighs> when in fact he'd like had the conversation with his partner to try to get her on board with Polly. And she was like, no, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm going to be monogamous. Um, Uh, And he just decided to date people anyway. Um, uh, Yeah. And he, I I don't remember if I ever asked him directly if I could meet his partner, but if I had, I assume he would have been like, oh yeah, she doesn't like to meet my other partners or whatever, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is bullshit. So I, I mean, I think I feel this way, especially as like a woman trying to date men sometimes. But honestly, anybody can be untrustworthy. Um, but yeah, that was like a, a huge betrayal to me and mm-hmm. also really made me reflect on like the value of metamorph relationships, if just to establish that what you think is the truth is indeed the truth. Yeah, I I have not had a situation like that, but I have been in a relationship where, like, my meta wasn't interested in meeting, and, like, it was a thing where I was like, everyone is comfortable having their own boundaries, and that's totally fine. And also, it was a thing that I had, like, anxiety, more anxiety about than I was super comfortable with. Um, So it is not a thing that, like, fits great for me in my relationships moving forward. Um... And I do, again, like, I, I want everyone to be comfortable and take their own time. And also, I don't, I just don't want to wait a long time because if you have been an unknown entity in my life for, like, eight months mm-hmm. and I am, like, invested in this relationship and this partner and you are also a serious person in their life, A, those eight months have probably been weird just because I have, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, been picking them up at home. Like, I don't know if they live together, been dodging you while picking them up. Like, I don't just practically right. seems weird um but also um it seems stressful but then imagine meeting them after that much build up that's mm. just so much more stressful than i don't know even just talking for 5 minutes when i pick someone up for a date like if your meta cohabitates with your partner your meeting doesn't have to be going out for coffee or even watching, you know, watching a movie together or going somewhere. Your right. meeting can be, oh, why don't you come in when you pick me up and say hi to this person and mm-hmm. like, oh, how's it been? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Oh, all right. Have a good one. You know, talk to you soon, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can build up a little bit of rapport that way and be at a place where you're comfortable watching a movie together or hanging out or not. But a couple mm-hmm. of weeks down the line, you know. Yeah. I this reminds me of another way I met a metamor once that was sort of ill-fated where like my boyfriend at the time was working at a cafe and I asked him as I did often at that time if I could come to his cafe to like work on I, I was editing this podcast actually um <laughs> so I was there with my laptop and headphones and then he randomly was like oh yeah uh my partner is in town and she's gonna drop by and say hi. Oh. And I was like, uh, again, like I, I was not I just, emotionally prepared for this. Um, and then I felt yeah. so bad too, because like I was editing the show and was on a deadline. So like she said hi and sort of stuck around to have a conversation with like him and, and his coworkers and stuff. But I was like, I actually have to get back to work I, and put my headphones back on while you're still here. I'm sorry. Like, sorry, I am, I am here working, though, is the thing. <laughs> like, yeah, I just yeah. really wish that people would be very intentional about this. I know that not everybody thinks that way and not everybody gets anxious about stuff like this, but 
Yeah, you just don't know sure. how someone else is going to feel about it. Yeah, I I do not recommend p- blindsiding people with things that can be emotionally intense. Like that's that's just a lot. Yeah. Uh, meeting metamors is really useful uh, as a solution to another listener question, which we got, mm-hmm. which I think is a very common thing. Um, this listener said, how can I cope with the fear that my metamor is prettier slash thinner slash smarter than me? Um, mm-hmm. And I used to avoid meeting metamors because of this fear. Uh, like I was worried that when I met them, all of these fears would be confirmed. I would see that they mm-hmm. were magical and hot and perfect and I would, you know, feel inadequate. But uh, really wise poly people in my life kept telling me, no, like the way to deal with this fear is to meet them and to discover mm-hmm. that they are indeed human, just like you with flaws and stuff. And that is true. I have found that to be true over and over again. Uh, and, and it's just sort of true more generally in like with regards to anxiety is that like the unknown is typically going to be scarier. And once you actually do the thing, uh, it might still be scary, but like at least you have a better sense of like what you're actually getting into. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think the most helpful thing for this for me has been getting to know my partners as people so that like. I don't know, yeah, I might have these fears that they're better at XYZ thing than me, but, like, I don't know, I also understand the things I'm better at. You know, I also understand the things I bring to a relationship with my partner, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So it helps me understand, like, a thing I have a lot of anxiety about as a trans guy is that I don't bring a factory-installed dick to the table, and my meta is cis, that is the thing that will remain true whether I know him or not, right? That is just not going to change. However, um, I like as I get to know him, I understand uh, he is no longer just, I don't know, that, that other partner with a dick, though. That dick, that dick that my partner <laughs> is dating. That other dick that is just better than me, I guess, because it's just attached to a person. It's just better than all of mine. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, he's this, like, nuanced person that, like, deeply loves and cares for my partner and supports them and does all these really great things for them and, like, bonds over these kinds of movies that I don't enjoy but also doesn't talk to them about this other stuff that we really enjoy together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm able to give more of, like, a complicated view of things and a more nuanced view of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think something that I've actually become more comfortable with um, is just having more conversations with my partner about their relationship. Like that was a thing where I was, you know, there are times where I was like, Oh, you know, boundaries, like I don't want to. And that's, I'm still very like, don't tell me anything that doesn't feel comfortable. I don't, I don't want to know, but I don't want to run around being like, ah, la, 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 (laughs) like understanding the things that they love and frustrate them in their relationship. And assuming that my meta knows the same things about mine. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just, gives me a complete picture of all of the important things happening in my partner's life and like Mm -hmm. gives me a complete picture of this other person as like a complex and intricate and fascinating human being that I also care about. And that's not a thing I would get if I were afraid of these conversations or afraid of meeting them or any of those things. Mm -hmm. 
Right. This is something that uh, can be a problem for the V partner specifically, I think, is um, sometimes people will want to only tell their partners um, good things about their mm-hmm. other partner in an effort to be like, look how great they are. Like, it's really not a big deal for you to like meet them or be friends with them. Like, they're so great. Or they'll only tell their partner bad things about their other partner because they sense that, you know, it sets that person at ease in terms of their insecurities and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And I understand both of those impulses, but one thing I found to be really true is that the best way to do it is to tell your partners both positive and negative things about each other if you can um, Mm -hmm. as they come up. I mean, don't don't just like sit them down and be like, the things I hate about this partner, here's a list, (laughs) and then the things I love about them. Um, But, you know, things come up in your life and you're talking about what's going on with you. Um, build an accurate picture of that person. Talk about the struggles as well as the really fun times. Um, if it's, you know, within your relationship boundaries to talk about those things, uh, because that also humanizes the person. And like that for me was helpful when I was like trying to gather the courage to meet a metamorph was to find out like, oh yeah, like they also have struggles like I do. And they also have good qualities like I do too. Yeah. And it's been... Like, there, there is certainly a line to walk there, right? You don't want to also wind up in a situation where you're gossiping to your other partner instead of communicating with the partner that you're having the issue with, because that's certainly mm-hmm. a dynamic that people can fall into. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, in the way you're talking about, like, things just coming up in your life, I don't know, I can think about times where, like... My partner will come over and be like, oh, I'm a little stressed. I had to have, like, a capital C conversation with my other partner. And, like, he's thinking about some things. And, you know, they, they'll give me, like, oh, broad strokes of this. And even I can be like, oh, he knows better than that. Though. And they're like, yeah, he knows better than that. We're going to have conversations. And, like, it's also <laughs> bringing up this thing for me. And I'm like, yeah, you do have that shit going on, though. You do have that sh- Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it, it's just nice to be able to be like, wow, he's... This person was annoying for a second, but, like, we both know he's, like, good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's going to be, he's going to do the right thing. Yeah, he's going to do the right thing. Like, and to know that, presumably, they have similar conversations over there, because I have my own share of tantrums and, like, moments that are not great, you know? Um, Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's neat. Yeah, that's very closely related to a listener question we got, which was, how can I set boundaries if my partner keeps giving me a lot of personal information about my metamor who I barely know. Um, I've never had this specific situation. Um, if anything, I've had the opposite situ- situation where people are being conspicuously closed-mouthed about their other partner, oh. and I'm like, does this person not have a corporeal form? Like, why do you never, <laughs> never? Well, I mean, sometimes it's, sometimes I've asked to not be told things about the other person when I was, like, dealing with particularly hard jealousy or whatever. Like, only mm-hmm. tell me if it's, like, directly relevant and I need to know it, basically. Um, but when that's not the case, it is kind of odd if somebody just, like, never tells you anything about them. Uh, but, yeah, how to, I, how to deal if if your partner keeps just, like, spewing personal info about your metamor that, like, you don't really feel like you have a right to know? <sighs> So the the closest I can relate to this is my partner has ADHD and sometimes forgets how much I know different people in their lives. So we'll just tell me things. I'll be like, I have met them once at a party or like, you know, they'll tell me something. I'll be like, that person is on their way here. And now I just know that that's just in my head right now. Um, yeah. 
but I will. <laughs> so like that is the closest I've had to this. And for me, uh, often all it takes is just going, wow, that's a, that's a lot to be one of three facts I know about that person. Could you maybe, <laughs> right, could you exactly. maybe flesh that out a little bit more? Could you give me a little <laughs> bit more character development since they're going to walk through my door in an hour? You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I will try and describe why it's awkward for me be like, no, like, these are the things you've told me. Can you see why that's a weird picture? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and often with the people I date, that's that's helpful enough to just be like, this is the perspective I have. Could you help me out, man? <laughs> um, so hopefully you can get, like, some empathy of, like, why it's weird for you to know those details. You can also... To kind of balance that out with if you're comfortable be like I would like to get to know them though I would like to get to a point where maybe they tell me these things about themselves like it's not that I'm opposed to knowing you know XYZ is true but theoretically if this person remains in your life like and becomes like a fixture of your life I will have to stare them in the eyes at some point and like I don't know. I don't like to know. I don't need to know their favorite way to take dick when I'm doing that. Like, <laughs> let's start with start with small facts and work our way up in intimacy. Right. Yeah, I usually like to frame criticism uh, in a way that makes it about me, which I think is a nice way of like sort of softening the criticism. Um, mm-hmm. So I might be like, you know, it makes me a little uncomfortable when you tell me stuff about that partner that's so personal because it makes me worry that like maybe you're telling other people like really personal things about me and like I'm not really mm-hmm. super comfortable with that. So like maybe we could tighten up some boundaries around like disclosure from partner to partner um, mm-hmm. because uh, there's not – necessarily anything wrong with your partner giving details uh of their other partner's life as long as that person is like okay with that stuff being shared which you Mm -hmm. may or may not know um but if you are just feeling uncomfortable about it like regardless of whether or not they have given consent for that to be shared uh that's valid you're allowed to say that Mm -hmm. that is a hopeful thing though and that is a thing i like to check in with sometimes i'll be like i don't well, like, if, not that my partner is out here trying to tell stories, and I'm like, would our meta be okay? But, like, that is a thing I often, like, like to be like, do they want me to know that? Like, if they're cool? Uh, several of the questions we got about metamors are about pretty specific situations, which I think makes a lot of sense, because the different configurations are just going to be so specific and unique. Um, but what so listener- many layers of relationships. <laughs> Yes. One listener wrote and said that um, they're dating two people and uh, these two people used to be a couple, like before this listener was dating both of these people. Um, And fortunately, yeah, I mean, this makes actual total sense to me because like of the smallness of poly communities and especially once Mm -hmm. you get into like more niche aspects of that, like queer or kinky or whatever. Um, Mm So, you know, the pool is pretty small, and if you have mutual friends, it makes sense that you would eventually, like, meet your boyfriend's ex and maybe be like, wow, she's really hot or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. So this person was saying, like, fortunately, they're friends, so, you know, they're fine with me dating each other and everything's fine. But it brought up, like, an ethical question for them about, like, if they weren't on speaking terms, which I'm sure does happen and has happened, um, Mm -hmm. do you have to, like, fill in the person that you're dating on the fact that you're also dating their ex. I think, I think you do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think that yeah. there's like good and bad ways to do so, but I do think you have to tell them. 
Yeah, I mean, so it it, it varies on, like, how committed you are to the... Presumably you were dating one of them first, right? You did not have the same... Even if you had the same first date on the same first night, they were at different times. Um, <laughs> so whoever was there first, like, it depends on how long they've been there, right? This kind of conversation. But presumably, I think the way you sent me this question, it was phrased like, would I have to tell them that I've started dating this other person? And for me, I was like, wow, you're just, you would just be, just pick up that other relationship and just not check in at all first. Mm. Like, that's for me. I would... I would want to know you've started talking to them. I would want to know you're planning mm-hmm. a date. Like I don't my yeah. I've I don't have relationships that have veto power. I don't super believe in it. But I do date people with good judgment and I recognize <laughs> that when I'm in NRE, my judgment is rather cloudy and if someone <laughs> who I care about and knows me really well is like, "Hey, I don't know if that's a good idea. I'm going to listen to them. I may not do what they say, but, like, I'm going to at least want to listen to them. So for me, I think what is bigger and weirder is that the idea of starting dating someone and just already being at a point where, like, yes, we are dating and then mentioning it to my partner. That's wild to me. Yeah, I mean, I know that there are some relationships where this would be okay, and I know that, like, some mm-hmm. sources of conflict in my past relationships have been related to, like, we had different standards around disclosure about new people that you're doing stuff with. But, um, mm-hmm. like, in my current relationship, I told my spouse if I even flirt with anyone else in a way that, like, might yeah. lead to anything. Um, just because, like, the more that you put off that disclosure, if things start to develop, it's going to get worse and worse. You're going to have to be like, oh, yeah, I've had – you know, six vaguely sexy conversations with this person over the past two months and your partner's going to be like, what the fuck? Um, I would anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it comes back to, like I've said this a couple of times, but it's just, it is an interesting thing happening in your life. And my partner yeah. tends to be the person I tell the interesting things in my life to. Yeah. I think like, that... Uh... Main feature of partners. <laughs> We, especially I think early in a non-monogamy journey, we can get our wires crossed very easily and still kind of be stuck in monogamy mode in certain like mm-hmm. behaviors and areas of our lives. Um, and one of those might be like the, the assumption that your partner doesn't want to hear about it if you like, to, you know, start to do other stuff with other people or start to like have a crush on someone else. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you haven't actually had a conversation about that, you don't really know how your partner yeah. feels about that necessarily. Um what I would do is I would be like, regardless of like, if you're dating your partner's ex or just some random person, I would at some point have a conversation. Like if I was to start like flirting with a new person in a way that like may or may not lead to dating, like, uh, how how much would you want to know about that? How early would you want to know that? Like Mm -hmm. any info I need to know about how to inform you of that, uh, in a way that's going to work for your brain. Um, yeah, I think that you need to have like a lot of like meta conversations, to do non-monogamy successfully. And this is like a big thing to establish early on. And these are great conversations to have when there is not a person already mm-hmm. like waiting in the wings, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like these, that just adds so much more pressure. It's great to just uh, kind of hash this out. Like as and when this happens one day, you know, what, what, what might that look like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another listener was wondering, how does one handle maintaining a friendship with a metamor if you or they have ended their relationship with your mutual partner? 
Um, this is tricky because I think sometimes uh, if the breakup was messy or something, the mutual partner may not want you to maintain that friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, so you either have to decide to go with what they tell you to do or like make your case for why you feel you don't have to and, and shouldn't. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it does deeply depend on the circumstances of the relationship. Um, I would... I mean, so... The best way, I guess, to answer this question with limited information is to describe what I think that might look like in a perfect world, right? In a perfect mm-hmm. world where I'm able to maintain a friendship with my metamor after say I've broken up with a partner, right? But mm-hmm. my meta's really cool and, like, I still kind of want to be chill. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, things ain't so great with my ex. Like, there's, there's some hurt feelings there, right, on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, I would reach out to my metamore, um, and I would try and keep all avenues of communication open. So I wouldn't necessarily touch base with my partner. Say we've decided we're just not talking for a minute, or my ex, I guess, at this point. Um, you know, I guess we're not talking for a minute. I'd, I'd send a message to my metamor, be like, hey, obviously this is super weird. Like, we've gotten close over time. I still think you're super cool. Like, when you're able to have that conversation with our mutual partner, if that is a thing, like, come back to me with what you think this could look like. Now, obviously, you get in some weird situations of, like, couples privilege of, like, this joint couple deciding what my the terms of my relationship with another human <laughs> being could be, which I yeah. obviously I feel complicated ways about, we all know. Um, mm-hmm. However, I think it is doable temporarily, right? And I think the thing about breakups is if they're done as well as they can be, there will be feelings and they don't last forever, right? You, you both get to a place where you're like, yeah, that wasn't great for either of us. Like, that relationship wasn't going to keep happening. I don't know. Best of luck to you. Have a great life. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I think you want to do what you can in the immediate aftermath to touch base to say, hey, like, I, I do want to maintain this friendship. Maybe we don't hang out right now, but like... I wouldn't wait forever and then tap them later and just reappear out of nowhere because that's kind of sends the message that you're like, well, left the relationship and you too. Peace out. Bye. Yeah. Um, but I would I would touch base and be like, what, you know, allow them to liaise with your ex or your ex mutual partner um, and come up with a system that works and like mediate conversation in that way and try and do something that is as comfortable as possible for as many people involved as possible. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't yeah. want to go behind anyone's back because like, yeah, presumably you want all of these relationships to continue and that's going to come out and blow up one of them or you're just gonna have to deal with it and it's just gonna get bigger and more annoying (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) the closest thing that i've ever experienced to this was like one time i dated a dude who turned out to be kind of whatever just kind of not great dude but Mm -hmm. his best friend was this awesome person who i still think is awesome uh and we're still in touch now um (laughs) but like uh we were dming a bit shortly after the breakup about some thing I had tweeted or something. And the tones of the DMs were such that I was like, does this person even know that me and their friend broke up? Oh. 
Uh, oh, no. So I I said something I I didn't know how to like communicate that I was feeling this way because I was feeling sort of awkward about it, um, yeah. and I wrote back and I was like, uh, just so you know, like it might be a little bit hard for me to like engage with your tweets and stuff for a little while because like I am still reeling from that breakup and like anything that reminds me of him is like a little bit hard for me to engage with right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna take mm-hmm. some time. And the friend was like, oh yeah, like that's completely understandable. Uh, I love what you're doing with, you know, your blog or whatever, um, and would love to like continue to be friends. Um, Mm. so like we communicated about it and we're still like social media buds. I don't know quite how it would have worked out if we had gotten to be such close friends that we would have been like going to the same parties as my ex would be at. Mm. Um, but I mean, in my situation, I, I kind of would feel like, well, fuck you, dude. Like your friend's (laughs) awesome. And like, I don't have to you know, do what you say. <laughs> right. And there are, there are a great many social engagements and there are a great many, like I, I have been part of enough queer friend groups with enough breakups where it is like, Oh, that genre of hangout now belongs to that person. We lost that in the breakup. Oh, well, okay. We do that with other people. That's fine. Yeah. Right. Like you can, you can divide things up comfortably enough and you can all be civil and adults. Um, um, but I, I do think, you know, in the, in the immediate aftermath, it is helpful to remember that, like, provided you at least have, still have some empathy for your ex-partner, um, their remaining partner is one of their main supports in their life in that moment. Mm-hmm. And their obligation to support their partner is probably bigger than their obligation to hang out with their friend in this moment. Yeah. Depending on the depth of those two relationships, right? Give them the time, like, you also want to give them a little leeway because they're probably feeling torn in two directions. Mm -hmm. And, like, understand that, like, supporting someone through a breakup takes some energy and they can be like, yeah, I also want to, like, maintain this, but maybe we're not going to go out for a movie tonight after I've been, like, taking care of them during the day. Like, you know, all right, I set you up with your Ben and Jerry's and your your cozy blanket. I'm going to go catch a movie with your ex, okay? I'll be right back, okay? You just... (laughs) You have your feelings here. No, no, I set up the notebook. It'll be, I'll be back before it's over. Don't worry. Like, you know, you, you time and a place. Right. Yeah, I think that post-breakup, immediately post-breakup, there can be a lot of, you know, high-intensity feelings where you might even start to feel like, was this person ever a friend at all, this metamor? Like, if they're just going to, like, abandon me for our partner after we break up or whatever? And you're completely mm-hmm. right. The context is so specific. Like, you you kind of have to be there for someone when they've just gone through a breakup, whether or not they initiated that breakup. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, they're in a very tricky situation, even though post-breakup brain, sometimes it's easy to oversimplify things and just feel that they're, you know, being mean just to be mean, which they're probably not. And expect them to declare a side in this war that you are waging. Like you, you, you wage your war, feelings will die down. And, like, recognize that this person still kind of wants to still be standing when all of this dies down. So mm-hmm. just, like, let let them also take care of themselves in that moment. Mm-hmm. One more question. Uh, this listener, I'm paraphrasing hugely, uh, said, My ex-metamore kept trying to break up me and my partner due to jealousy. Now she's out of the picture, partially due to that. But it's left mm-hmm. my partner feeling really nervous about and hesitant about introducing new partners to me. How do I make sure he knows I will never try to do what his ex did? 
by not doing it. Like, sorry, I wish there was a better answer. You can openly communicate. You can uh, ask him about your partner. You can, like, show curiosity and empathy and be excited to meet them and talk to them if that is a thing that's genuinely true. Like, don't exaggerate things because if your partner's already on edge, they're going to be able to see that you're playing it up, right? And it's going to feel inauthentic. But foster some genuine curiosity and interest in either talking about or meeting these partners as they come up. And, Mm -hmm. like, if your partner had this, like, really intense experience, you can tell them that and they can trust and intellectually believe you, Mm -hmm. but they may not feel that to be true until they watch you do it a bunch. So you just got to be ready to do it a bunch and be patient with them while they work up kind of that that confidence back. Mm Yeah, I think that's very true. I've never been through this exact situation, but having been, you know, betrayed or abandoned or, you know, having gone through various breaches of trust, um, mm-hmm. it, it is really nice to have verbal reassurance from a new person. I won't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't plan on doing that. Here's all the reasons and justifications why I will not do that. But mm-hmm. really the thing that changes stuff is time and seeing that they're just not they're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing has convinced me more that my partner is not going to abandon me for someone else than having been with them for three years and having seen them not abandon me for someone else. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a very kind of like survivor of trauma brain type of thing to do where like it is very hard to take people at their word when you've had you know, such an intense emotional trauma as like a betrayal or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes in order to accept the truth, like your body really has to just like feel the feelings of the thing that you're scared of not happening and not happening and not happening. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't think it's a process that you can rush, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Agree. Okay, thank you all for those lovely questions. Uh, if you ever want us to do another metamore related episode, please feel free to send in more questions that we can answer because I do think that this is a rich vein of conflict and confusion. So there's <laughs> definitely a lot more there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have been Kate Sloan. I have a sex blog at girlyjuice.net. I write a newsletter at katesloan.substack.com, and I am on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. Where is your stuff? I'm Bex. You can find my writing and information about my workshops at bextalksex.com, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at bextalksex. I'm also hella naked on the internet as Billy Lore. <laughs> you can find me at Billy Lore on Twitter. I'm also on Just for Fans and many vids and doing all kinds of filthy things over there. Together, we're the Dildorks. We're at the Dildorks on Twitter and Instagram and at thedildorks.com. You can also find us by searching the Dildorks in your favorite podcast app. While you're there, rate and review us. It inflates my ego, and we all know I need more of that. Uh, <laughs> you could also go to patreon.com slash thedildorks to throw money at us, inflate my ego, and my wallet at the same time, multitasking. <laughs> wallet inflation play. Mm. Yes. Mm. Uh, thank you so much to Protodome who did our theme song and thank you to Amy who did our logo and thank you to you for listening until next time folks get out there and live your sexy dorky life bye
Did you want to ask your question? Right. I should set this up. This is my episode, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, shit. I, no. So, and yeah, yeah. I don't know. That sentence got away from me. <laughs> you can edit accordingly. Oh, fucking. Okay. I will. <laughs> and if um, not, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 